Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining me this evening. Glad you're here and happy, as always, that you are listening. Today, I want to get a little bit wonky, and I hope um, I hope the listeners here won't hold this against me. But, and I've dabbled in this some of this before, in the context of you know what people are talking about on TV. But I think this is so important for people to understand that I wanna I wanna talk about just one aspect one aspect of it today, and that's inflation. And what I want to do, this is the wonky part. I want to use part of Saifedean Amusa's book, um, the Fiat Standard, as 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 a way to uh, unfold the details around um, around inflation. And and the reason I want to use his book is because I, I think he has a very powerful and um, uh, creative way of expressing just how damaging this is to the economy. And this is only one cost, by the way. Inflation is just one cost. There's other costs associated with what he calls fiat currency. And fiat currency just means, fiat is just a, a, it's a word that means by decree. Okay, so uh, we have a, we have the dollar is just by decree. Okay, now the dollar emerged originally uh, it, as the we we kind of took the name from something called the Spanish thaler that was used uh, that that held its value really well uh, many many years ago, and so the dollar kind of got its name from that because that that uh, f- that coin the thaler had a real good reputation in uh, global markets. And so anyway, but today the dollar is backed by nothing, and it's certainly not metal. Um, it's just paper, and it's even worse than that. It's just digits in a computer, okay, or numbers on a ledger. And like I said, I want to use Saifedean's uh, book as a backdrop for this because there's a really powerful illustration he gives you about a house, what a house cost in 1912 versus what it cost uh, in ni- in 2019, and he wants to try to express to the reader how much has been stolen from us in productivity by uh, creating new dollars every year for the economy to absorb. Um, and and it, it might be helpful to think about this when you're listening to this. Think of think of dollars or think of fiat currency as just a token, right? It's just a token that we used to trade value. And it, it really has no other purpose than that, right? So um, the reason uh, historically we've used things like gold, and of course he's talking about uh, Bitcoin in this, but the reason we've used gold historically is because gold can't be made by the government, right? I mean, you have to physically dig up thousands, hundreds of thousands of tons of dirt 
and then refine that dirt into gold. And obviously, the idiots in Washington, D.C. don't know how to do that. So what they do know how to do, though, is print dollars and create a lot of those dollars in our economy. Uh, stealing the productive, uh, productive capacity of every man, woman, and child living uh, not just in America, but the entire world. So I want to I play some excerpts from, from this book. Um, it's, it's a little bit technical, but it's a, it's a good read. Again, this is, this is called The Fiat Standard by Saifedean Amous. That's A-M-M-O-U-S. And I highly recommend this book. Um, you will learn so much about uh, so many things that are tied to um, the, the criminal activity of creating this fiat currency. It, it's very, very eye-opening. And we're just really just scratching the surface. We're going to talk about inflation today. But there, there are so many other negative aspects uh, to this currency. He, he makes the case in the, in the book that it's not only affecting our economy and labor, but also our food supply, uh, energy, and uh, just numerous other very important um, aspects of uh, a modern economy. So I want to go ahead and uh, start playing a, a few clips, and I'll break in and, and talk about each of those as we go along. The benefit fiat offers to humanity is that it allows for savings on moving gold for payments. The costs are incalculable. We can classify the costs of fiat into four broad categories. One, the destruction of holders' wealth through inflation. Two, the destruction of the role of money in economic calculation. Three, the increased power of government to shape economy and society and four, the increased likelihood and cost of conflict. The benefits from fiat are primarily in the cost saving associated with moving physical gold around. The clearance, settlement, and verification of physical gold would cost somewhere in the range of 0.05 to 0.5% of face value. Okay, so broadly he's talking about uh, the benefits of a fiat system, which is what we live under now. Okay, we live under a fiat money system. And essentially, those benefits are that it reduces the cost of transactions. Um, and he talks about um, the cost of, of gold. Like, you have to store it. It has to be weighed and um, precisely measured. And, um, you know, if you, if you know this, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but in the Constitution it says that Congress shall have the power to coin money. Notice it doesn't say print money. But people today have conflated those two. They think that's the same thing. And of course, it's not the same thing. Um, the founders knew about this. They weren't the inventors of fiat money, okay? Fiat money was invented years ago by the Chinese, and they were the first uh, to bring it to market. And in fact, the Chinese were so serious about it that if you were caught uh, counterfeiting the money in China, they just laid you down and chopped your head off. I mean, that's how serious they were about it. So the, the, the benefit is to lower the cost of, of transactions, and, and gold has some costs associated with it. Now, we don't, we don't know what those costs would be today uh, because we don't we, we, we quit operating in a gold society way back in 1933. But what we do know about gold is that the government can't create it, okay? 
Now, fiat, he goes on to talk about the cost of fiat, and he mentions four, four costs uh, broadly. The destruction of holders' wealth, that's uh, due to inflation. The destruction of the role of money as an economic calculation. The increased power of government to shape society and the increased likelihood of conflict. So today we're only going to talk about the aspects of inflation, but you know from listening to the show that I always talk about if you want to solve all these problems that you see today, get rid of the Federal Reserve. And that's because he goes through each one of these and makes a really good case that these problems all stem from the government's ability to influence people and to influence markets and to influence other governments and all this stuff is related to the fiat currency so i i want you to go read this book it's a very good book it's it's an easy read it's a long book but it's it's an easy read and i think you'll get a lot out of it more so than you would get out of a novel or something like that the first and most obvious cost is the wealth destroyed by the devaluation of national currencies Every national fiat currency has devalued in real terms almost every year since its creation. This has continuously eroded the wealth of their holders. As Bitcoin amply proves, there are no good reasons for the increase in the size of economic activity or user base to require an increase in the supply of tokens used in a monetary system. But government credit money is constantly expanding in supply, and as a result, it is constantly declining in value. Measuring consumer price inflation is inadequate for measuring the waste of fiat. Changes in consumer prices are a complex product of a decrease in the value of fiat money and the increase in productivity, causing a decline in goods value. Without any monetary inflation, Productivity increases would translate to price decreases. With monetary inflation, rising prices indicate an increase in money supply larger than the increase in productivity. This means consumer price inflation does not allow us to estimate the wastefulness caused by using fiat money. All right, well, there's a lot to unpack here. So the first thing I want to point out is that your wealth, to the extent it's held in dollars, is continuously uh, eroded. Okay, so if you have if you have money in dollars, in other words, you don't have physical assets, you have money or purchasing power. Uh, that that part of your wealth is continuously eroded. Um, in other words, uh, the the value of the money in terms of what it can buy is worth less in the future than what it is today. And there's, there's, uh, the government says, well, we need to expand the money supply. And, and there's just no good reason to do that. They talk about how it's, it's there, we're expanding the money supply to smooth out the peaks and valleys in the economy and so on and so forth. And none of this is true. Okay, this is, this is uh, you, you know, very sophisticated economists can prove that this is just not the case. It's not necessary. What it does, though, it benefits a handful of people that get the money first, okay? And these are the people that are most closely connected to government. I just want to read again something that he says that is critically important, and that is government credit money is constantly expanding in supply, 
And as a result, it is constantly declining in value. In other words, what it can buy is constantly going down. And then the last thing he talks about is, look, measuring the CPI is, is, is woefully inadequate. Um, if you ever listen to Peter Schiff, look up what Peter Schiff says about the CPI. They have all these things called hedonics and they substitute. They, they rationalize, well, beef is more expensive now, so people are substituting uh, chicken for beef. So they'll pull beef out of the CPI and just substitute for chicken. <laughs> and they'll and they'll say, see, prices aren't going up that much at all. So they do all these weird things. These they twist themselves into knots, trying to show that uh, your value isn't being uh, your your money value isn't being eroded by them as much as uh, as much as you think. You know, you go to the grocery store, and you know how much you're spending on groceries. But you know what you're experiencing. That's not really inflation. That's that's supply chain issues. Or that's uh, that's corporate greed, or they you know they give they assign some other cause to it, uh, because look here we've done the CPI, and this is this is the gospel truth you know I mean this is just absurd. The government uh, people or the people that record these statistics are are very dishonest and they're manipulative, and they want the data to say what they want it to say, and they don't care really what they have to do to make that happen. And the, the last thing to point out here, and it's probably the most important thing, because this is the part that people are the most confused about. They think if, if the CPI is reported even at 0%, that there's no inflation, or that the value of their money, they're not losing value in their money. And that is not true, because the, 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 the economy is, is almost always expanding. Uh, there's... Uh, we're becoming every day more productive. There are new goods and services being produced. There are new tools that consumers use to become more productive. And so even with a CPI, and this is the hardest thing to get people to understand, but even with a CPI that's equal to zero, you're still losing value. Because in, in a perfect world, if the CPI were real and was measuring real value, real cost inflation the CPI would be continuously negative. It would never be positive uh, because the prices of everything would just be going down, down, down all the time. Uh, there is no, there is no uh, phenomenon that, that raises prices over time other than the creation of money and credit at the Federal Reserve or central banks more broadly. The average U.S. house price in 1915 was $3,500. In 2021, it was $269,039. That is compound annual standard adopted a fixed supply in 1914, and prices declined by 2% per year instead, the average American house would today cost $411. With a much smaller supply of the dollar, prices would be far lower than what they are today. Incomes would, of course, also be much lower, but the decreasing price of goods means that they are becoming more affordable over time, and that saved money buys more goods every year.
$411.1915 could have bought your great-grandfather 12% of a house. But if he had saved it and passed it on to you, it would buy you an entire house today. Your great-grandfather's pocket change would be enough for you to live off of today. A world of decreasing prices would provide people with a strong reason to save for the future. And one can only imagine how much better living standards would be today had humanity not been afflicted by inflationary fiat. To be clear, none of this can be proven, okay? Because we don't, we can't operate a whole nother economy on the side and compare it to the economy we have. But these are... Uh, these, these mechanisms are well understood. Our, our economy, in terms of the goods and services, has grown every year since 1914 or whatever year he's talking about. And, and if you had a fixed monetary base, in other words, we never increased the amount of money, not even by a single dollar, then it's not unreasonable. Okay, this is key because this is speculative. But it's not unreasonable to assume that prices generally would come down roughly 2% per year if the money was fixed and the economy grew 2% a year. So if we had an economy that was just growing 2% a year, which is not uncommon, I mean, that's not uncommon in our history, uh, and the monetary base was fixed, then on average, the prices of all goods and services produced in the economy would go down by 2% a year. That's just math, okay? And this is, like I said earlier, this is the hardest thing for people to get their head around. But it's it's such a powerful thing to understand because it, it really puts into context how much the government is stealing from you. This is why, you know, this is why we... Every year that goes by, we think to ourselves, wow, man, it's just getting harder and harder to live. You know, everything that I buy is more expensive and my income really hasn't gone up or it's only gone up, you know, a few percent and everything else has gone up 15 percent. You know, this is this is what's happening. This is the mechanism at work and it's and it's created at the Federal Reserve. The, the problem is created at the Federal Reserve. So I want you to just. I want you to, if you have to go back and listen to this multiple times, then please do, because this, um, this is ruining the United States of America, okay? And I know that's a strong thing to say. You know, I'll talk to people all the time, and they'll, they'll bring up any problem, any problem at all, and I'll go, well, if you, want that, if you want that problem to go away, we need to end the Federal Reserve. And they look at me like I'm crazy, and then I, usually within a few minutes, I can explain to them why. But, you, you know, the more you think about this, you know, the, the more you, you see um, the, the fiat, the, the fingerprints of fiat all over our society today. Look on TV. Look at, look at people on TV who are not especially smart, don't especially know things that you don't know. And, and they're paid millions of dollars you know, to give us their opinion about something. And it, it's just, you know, in, in many times their opinion's wrong. And if you, if you dig into it deep, 
you'll find that they're connected to government or they're a White House spokesman. And why do we need a White House spokesman? Or why do we need, uh, you know, just all these jobs, all these people doing these jobs, they're just, a lot of them, they're connected to money. And these people have influence, okay? That's the, that's the problem, is all this money buys influence. And when the government can just create it out of nothing, that's a river of influence that's flowing through Washington, D.C., into our individual states around the United States, into countries around the world, into our military, to uh, impose our will on other countries. I mean, this is just, just, I want to challenge you with thinking more about this. Just anytime you hear a problem, just ask yourself, well, is somebody that's connected to fiat money connected to this problem? Look at COVID, you know, look at Pfizer and Moderna. They are just running rampant with selling these vaccines to everybody. Well, the government's already bought them all. And there's no end in sight. I mean, they're, they want to sell us more, a booster and then a booster for the booster and then a booster for the booster. There's booster. I mean, it's just going to go on and on and on. And the reality is in a free market without fiat money, there's no market for any of this. It just, it just wouldn't get produced. And, and this, is, this is kind of the world we live in today. And so, again, I just want to challenge you to read this book. Uh, it's it's uh, The Fiat Standard by Saif Adina Moose. Another good one, and it's much shorter if you want to read it, is What Has Government Done to Our Money by Murray Rothbard. Also a very good book. All right, let's play the next clip. Based on World Bank data, the average annual supply inflation for the major national currencies between 1965 and 2020 is 6.67% for Switzerland, 7.44% for the U.S., 9.76% for Japan, 10.87% for the United Kingdom, and 20.33% for China. The euro area data is not available from the World Bank data, but it is found at the OECD and averages 7.79%. The simple average for all the remaining countries in the World Bank data set is 30.1%. The overwhelming majority of economic value exists in the major currencies. A weighted average inflation rate should reflect this. And when calculated, we can estimate that the average fiat user has suffered a 13.72% inflation in their money supply per year. When compared to holding hard money with a fixed supply, the average fiat user is witnessing a devaluation of the wealth stored in their savings by around 14% per year. So this is according to their own data, right? The World Bank data. And I just want to point out the U.S. So between 1965 and 2020, the U.S. experienced 9.76% inflation. Now, inflation, just to be clear, is the creation of money and credit in the economy. Okay, that's what inflation really is. It's not the CPI, okay? And that's what he's talking about here. Now, he goes on to say, you know, that the average fiat user experiences basically 14% inflation a year, and that's because... He, he ropes in all these, these, uh, these lesser countries 
whose inflation average is like 30.1%. And so he's going to use the 14% in this next example to, to demonstrate how much you know, wealth has been stolen in, in the form of savings, okay, and income, okay, purchasing power. So when you take money, you, you, you earn money, and you put some of it in a bank, okay, I'm not talking about, or it could be in a 401k even, it doesn't have to be in a bank, um, but if you put it in a 401k, that, that effectively is money, okay, it's savings, it's not in hard assets, it's not in a building that you own and you lease to tenants, or it's not in farmland or, you know, those types of things. Those are hard assets. To illustrate this in a, in a different way, I, uh, I opened up a spreadsheet real quick and I took a million dollars. So let's say, I don't know, you had a, a, a rich uncle in 1965 that gave you a million dollars, okay? And let's just say you put it in the bank, okay? And the bank was paying zero interest. So let's not let's not figure up interest or anything. Let's just, let's just put it in the bank. We're not going to spend it or anything. We're going to, we're going to pretend like we're still living under a gold standard. And I'm going to put that in there for 55 years and, and start withdrawing it in 2020. And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, you know, history has shown me that, uh, the money will buy more in the future than, than it buys today, so I'll be rich in 55 years, right? Well, wrong. Uh, that million dollars after 55 years of being whittled down by the U.S. inflation rate, the actual U.S. inflation rate of 9.76% would be worth $33.61. Now, what I mean by that is it would buy not $33, $3,361, so $3,361. What I mean by worth is, I mean, that's how much it would buy in the economy, $3,361 worth of goods and services in a 2020 economy. So that million dollars in 1965, if you just stuck it in your mattress, okay, and, and didn't, you know, didn't uh, do anything with it, it would buy $3,360 worth of goods and services today. That's, that's insane. Okay. That's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of wealth that's being stolen. So he gives a different kind of example. So we'll, we'll play his example and then comment on that one. In 2019, the total global broad money supply stood at around $95 trillion while total global wealth was around $360 trillion. This means that fiat money made up around 26.3% of humanity's wealth. As that money is being devalued at 13.72%, humanity is losing around 3.6% of its wealth on average every year to fiat inflation depleting the value of its money. If the average trend holds over the coming year, we could expect fiat inflation to destroy around $15 trillion of value in the next year. That's an extraordinary sum of money in one year. That's just one year. So that's like, so I did some quick math and I took $15 trillion and I divided by 8 billion people on the planet. That's $1,875 
for every man, woman, and child living on the planet every year. Now, keep in mind that some of these people only live on $2 a day, so they don't, they don't even have $1,875 you know, to give to that, that uh, loss of wealth. So you're really talking about more of that, more of your income every year, more of your savings is being swallowed up by this, this, this fiat monster that just keeps eating. And, uh, and, and this, is, this is devastating. I mean, uh, this next section he's going to talk about, he's going to talk about inequality. You know, these people come on TV and they talk about inequality and, and how, you know, poor people don't have enough and the rich have too much and all this stuff. Get rid of fiat money in the Federal Reserve. Go to a gold standard, go to Bitcoin, go to something that the government cannot get their hands on and, and manipulate. Because that's, that's what's causing all this inequality. The only reason the really rich are getting richer is because they know how to, they really know how to overcome this whole mechanism. And the average person doesn't. It is important here to stress the supremely repressive impact of the fiat tax on humanity. The world's poor are predominantly distributed in countries experiencing higher inflation than that of the world reserve currencies. Further, the world's poor have most of their wealth in money, not in financial assets. The world's rich are the ones who hold the vast majority of the 75% of the world's wealth that is not in fiat, but in hard assets like stocks and bonds. The rich will own more liquid wealth than the poor, but their liquid wealth is a small fraction of their wealth, a fraction that declines as wealth increases. By having much of their wealth concentrated in the little liquid fiat they can own, the poor are constantly paying a heavy price for inflation. Yeah, so next time somebody talks to you about the poor and how we need to do more for the poor, just tell them, look them right in the face and say, well, we need to get rid of the Federal Reserve. That's what's doing all the damage to the poor and their fiat money printing press and credit creation. That's what's... That's what's starving the poor, making their life a crushing hell. Get rid of the Federal Reserve. A lot of ink is spilled over the evils of inequality, but very few will point to this very obvious and devastatingly cruel form of economic punishment inflicted on the world's poor. Central governments are constantly devaluing and degrading what little hope the poorest among us have for achieving a better life. At the same time, this regressive inflation tax rewards the rich, who can borrow large quantities of devaluing fiat and who can protect themselves by holding hard assets. Predictably enough, the economists, academics, activists, and politicians obsessed with inequality tend to be highly concentrated in fiat institutions, supported by government fiat subsidies, and understandably unable to draw the obvious connection between the inflation that pays their salaries and the poor who foot the bill. So I was talking about some of this earlier, you know, these academics, these people who work at think tanks, uh, politicians, uh, people that work in education institutions. Uh, they're, they're the ones obsessing over all this uh, poor don't have this and the poor don't have that. And, 
and they're just completely oblivious to the fact that they're benefiting off the backs of these poor people. This is this is why this is why I say all these a lot of these jobs that you see that people have, these jobs are just not going to exist when we eventually get off fiat currency. And and we're going to have to get off of it. There's just no way you can there's no way let's just talk about the United States of America. There's no way that the government can continue to steal 10% per year of our purchasing power, our productivity, and, 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 and not have some sort of repercussions. I mean, this is, this is going to end badly. Look, if you want to see a good, go, go to the internet, okay? And go to Google and type in uh, inflation versus productivity. And then click on images only. And, and look for a chart that shows productivity going up, but wages stagnant. Actually, what you want to look up is uh, productivity versus wages. And I want you to look at about what time that happened. You know, what year approximately did that happen? And what you'll find when you go look at that graph is that that happened in 1971, or it started to diverge in 1971, 1972. Well, guess what happened in August 1971? We closed the gold window temporarily. Richard Nixon did. And we never looked back. And ever since then, the dollar has been tied to nothing. And the government has run roughshod over everybody that uses the dollar, including everybody else in the world. All right. Well, I feel like I'm getting a little bit preachy, so I'm going to go ahead and wind things down. But listen, I want you to, I want you to read this book. Go read this book. Go read... What Has Government Done to Our Money by Murray Rothbard? Read Saifedean Amus's book, The Fiat Standard. And, and really really get a good understanding of this because this is what's crippling the country. It's not the Democrats. It's not the Republicans. It's, it's not even the deep state uh, per se. It's, it's this money, okay? That's what's creating all these problems. And... You know, look, if you if you like this topic, if you like this show, if you got something out of it, find somebody to share it with because this is so critically important uh, to the future of all of us. I mean, there's really nobody that this problem doesn't touch. And so share it with somebody. Share, share the show. Uh, go write a review. Uh, but, you know, most importantly, come back and listen. All right, before we wrap up, look, I just want to let Saifedina Moose make his case for Bitcoin. This is about a 30 second clip. Uh, it's, it's pretty succinct and, uh, and, the, and the, the value is I think pretty clear in his uh, explanation. Bitcoin is far more efficient than fiat because it does not impose this form of wealth confiscation through inflation. Holders of Bitcoin can verify the supply for themselves and the supply is devaluing at a current rate lower than 2% per year, which is halving every four years on its way to zero eventually.